Friends, I want to continue this uh, talk on uh, jhana. This is the last talk on this uh, topic in this retreat. Yesterday I spoke on uh, the qualities of the first jhana and how to attain the first jhana. When you attain the first jhana, your experience is uh, given in uh, text in a very uh, simple simile. Simile is uh, just like you have uh, bad powder and uh, put into a bad tub, so to say. Uh, in the Buddhist time there were no bad tubs container. Assume today, in today's term, you think of bathtub. While pouring water, you put that powder into the tub and stir it, mix it, slowly, slowly, while pouring water into it. Then eventually, that powder dissolves in water that you cannot see any grain of that powder in the water. It is so uh, completely dissolved in water. Similarly, the five kinds of joys that I mentioned yesterday and happiness will be will suffuse your entire body and you feel entire body is one peaceful joyful, happy unit, one unit. That means joy and happiness so clearly, distinctly functions in your mind and body when you are in the first jhana. With all the qualities that we mentioned yesterday. People ask, uh, how do we know when we are in the first jhana? These are the signs that uh, there are no hindrances, initial thought, that is uh, letting go of all negative things and even you see everything is disappearing Nothing is hanging around and you experience that. That is what is called initial thought. Sustained thought is maintaining and sustaining it and so forth. Second thought is thought of loving friendliness. You are suffused with loving friendliness. Just like that bath water is filled, is dissolved in water. Here in this case, 
your body is the water and uh, this uh, feeling of uh, metta is like that powder so these two merge together this and uh, you experience that joy of metta and happiness of metta and then you don't have any sense or thought of uh, cruelty that means you are full of compassion all this you experience in the first jhana then you know that you are in the first jhana these are the signs to know and there are many other mental factors like mindfulness attention contact perception concentration all these you will have in the first jhana and therefore do not think when you attain the first jhana you lose everything you have these qualities but you are not labeling them verbalizing them conceptualizing them perception is their perception is not concept label and name your mind perceives it exactly as it is then you stay in that state but at the same time as i mentioned yesterday hindrances are not completely destroyed they are suppressed there are ways of suppressing in this case you suppress your hindrances by jhanic factors but the hindrances are not destroyed therefore they can keep haunting your mind as i said yesterday if one of the jhanic factors becomes weak hindrances will take over and then you lose jhana however since you know how you attain it this is not like a dream this is not something happening to you without awareness this you attain by following steps morality mindfulness discipline restraint and so forth with these things you train your mind to attain this state you remember that when you lose it you can recall the steps that you followed and then follow the steps then you attain the jhana again so you keep losing it and reattaining it and therefore don't think once you have attained the first jhana it will stay with you forever it is not going to happen you are going to lose it when you lose it don't worry as you remember the steps repeat the steps you can attain it any time any number of time <coughs> then at certain point of reattaining again and again and again you see this initial thought and sustained thought thought of letting go thought of metta living friendliness thought of compassion and so forth these are called uh, initial thought and since they are not uh, since they have not completely destroyed the hindrances opposite oppo- opposed to them they come again and again and again so you lose interest in the first jhana 
lose interest in first jhana. Then inside in you, you have a sort of very subtle wish to see something better. And Buddha call it by training a mind, Sikha Eka Sanya Pahayanti, Sikha Eka Sanya Upajanti, Sikha Eka Sanya Nirujanti, Sikha Eka Sanya Upajanti. By training, Sikha means training. By training, you overcome the perception of first jhana and through training your mind you acquire the perception of the second jhana which is true and most it is subtler than the first one what is your training is that the same training that you went through to attain the first jhana you go through again. Then, when the second, first jhana perception fades away, second jhanic perception arises. Now, some uh, people explain that you have to come out of the first jhana and then go to the second jhana. This sounds very confusing. If you come out of first jhana, you cannot go to the second jhana. <laughs> because uh, it is just like when you climb steps, you climb the first step. When you go to the, want to go to the second step, second rung or rung in the ladder, you don't have to come down from the first rung. Is it, it is silly. While standing on the first rung of the ladder, you hold on to the higher rung and lift your, one of your feet and put on the second rung. And then when that is steady, you take the second foot also from the first rung. That normally is how we climb. <laughs> you don't come out of the first rung, get to the floor and then jump to the second. It doesn't happen that way. So when you are in the first jhana, as you lose it, you lose the first jhana, you re-attain it again and again as you lose it. Then at one time you will see second jhana seems to be subtler, steadier. So you lose this perception of the first jhana and acquire the perception of the second jhana. So when you attain the second jhana, you can see, see the formula in your book, as I mentioned to you, page 31. That is why you keep the book open, page 31, just to see the, form, the passages. Second jhana's description is this. With the subsiding of applied thought and sustained thought, one enters and dwells in the second jhana, which has internal confidence and unification of mind, is without applied thought and sustained thought, is filled with rapture and bliss born of concentration. Now, look at the passage very carefully and see the wording. And these are the wording used here to describe 
Don't think of these words when you attain the second jhana. <laughs> that is where you experience it. So, with the subsiding of applied thought and sustained thought. Why they subside? Because they don't do the job you expect them to do. That is, they are beautiful, when you attain them they are very beautiful, very meaningful, but they have no power to stop thought, stop the, 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 the hindrances. And therefore, you lose interest in them. Then you see, then the mind will prompt you to go to the second jhana. Then these two will lose, initial thought and sustained thought, you lose. You will not have it in your mind. Then <coughs> you are in the second jhana, where uh, internal confidence and unification of mind arises. Now only in this attainment even the word unification is used. In the first jhana, unification is even, no, even unification even not used. Why? The first jhana concentration is very shallow, very shallow, not powerful enough, worthy of mentioning. That is why in the first jhana, Unification of mind is not used. Also because of the presence of applied thought and sustained thought, uni mind cannot be that unified as in the second jhana. When initial thought and sustained thought disappear, then mind is unified Unified, <coughs> uh, without uh, uh, internal confidence. Internal confidence, sampasadana, uh, confidence arises depending on various uh, noble objects like the Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, um, and uh, morality and all these things, these are the object of our faith, sadda. You have developed your, your morality as, a, as you are practicing or approaching jhana, you have only practiced them. You are at least, lay people must observe at least five precepts, five precepts. That is the minimum requirement for lay people to be qualified to attain the first jhana. So you have observed that. So you have inner confidence. And also you have, a, you have attained the first jhana as a result of your moral ethical training. That also gives you a confidence because your practice definitely is, definitely has produced results right there. And therefore you don't have any doubt about the practicing moral ethical principle. And also you gain first jhana. You saw the qualities of the first jhana. You saw the first jhana's jhana has only suppressed hindrances. Seeing all these things, you have a confidence. Now this confidence and the absence of initial thought and sustained thought, you have unification of mind. Real 
concentration. And this is the state where your inner inner chip 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 stops. Inner verbalizing stop. And that is called Aryotunni Bhavo. Real noble silence arises at the first at the second jhana. Reason is there is no inner talking, verbalizing. Initial thought and sustained thought are not there. And therefore you have a real noble silence. You know, we normally see normally see everywhere noble silence, noble silence, noble silence. It's okay. <laughs> but uh, real noble silence arises when you attain the second jhana. Reason is initial thought and sustained thought are no longer there. These are the states that keep murmuring inside talking. And then you have unification of mind. And then uh, this state also have uh, rapture and bliss. Piti Sukha. Rapture and bliss. And this rapture and bliss or Piti Sukha you had in the first jhana as well. But here <coughs> Piti Sukha uh, rapture and bliss are born from concentration. Now you, your mind became unified. Unified meaning uh, unification of wholesome mental states. You gain concentration. And due to that concentration you have joy and happiness. In the second jhana. So, second jhanic attainment you experience the simile given to describe the experience you have in the second jhana is like a lotus plant. When the lotus uh, is grown in a lake, all its stalks from the root up every tiny cell of the stalk is charged with moisture. It is completely saturated with moisture because it is in the water. Similarly, your joy and happiness and uh, born of concentration is so solidified in the second jhana. In the first jhana you see it all over your body, but in the second jhana because of the concentration, these mental states also are like solidified or concentrated, intense, more intense than the first jhanic state. So, <coughs> however, after sometimes even that blissful, peaceful mental state become uh, not so interesting. First, when you attain it for the first time, it is very powerful, new, fresh, but when you attain it, you lose it. You lose because of the rapture and bliss. They are so intense and you may dis develop certain attachment to them and that is not going to keep your mind in that peaceful state. So you lose the jhana. 
and then again you attain it. As before you remember how you attain it, you keep attaining, attaining several times. Then you see this is so tedious, attaining the same thing over and over again, no matter how blissful, you feel tired of it. Then you see there must be something else better than this. So with the training, Buddha said, Eka, Sikha, Eka, Sanya, Upajyanti, Eka, Sanya, Eka, Sanya, Nirujjanti. Now here, through the, through the training, your perception of the second jhana, you lose, and then you see the third jhana, or you perceive the sense, the third jhana, even more blissful than the second. So you are attaining that. The mind naturally glides into the third jhana. Mind does it itself. When you are ready, when the mind is ready, it glides, it just shifts to shift the gear automatically to the third jhana. <coughs> and then when we attain the third jhana, these are the this is the description of the third jhana. You can see the third paragraph of this uh, section. With the fading away of rapture, one dwells in equanimity, mindful and discerning, and one experiences in one's own person that bliss with which the noble one say, happily lives one who is equanimous and mindful. Thus one enters and dwells in the third jhana. You see the uh, the Pali passage, Pitya Viraga, Upekka Kocha Virati, Satocha Sampajano, Sukanchakaya in a Patisangvedeti, Yantangarya Achikanti, Upekka Ko Satima Sukha Vihariti, Tatyajana Upasampaji Virati. So, what would be uh, making the third, even third jhana, little gross is uh, uh, pity. <coughs> pity, remember pity arises, joy arises in five stages I mentioned it earlier and then it gets uh, stronger and stronger as you attain the first jhana, second jhana but when it comes to the second jhana, this joy or this, uh, uh, what you call, rapture uh, becomes relatively gross. So, you lose interest in the, the, third, the second jhana and attain the first jhana by letting the rapture go away. But two factors emerge which were not mentioned earlier. But I think you remember when we were preparing to attain jhana from the very beginning, very preliminary stage, we train ourselves sati sampajanya. I think I mentioned it several times. Uh, Sati Sampajanya, mindfulness and clear comprehension, we practice for, at, for vipassana meditation or uh, insight meditation as well as tranquility meditation. Because these two factors are very, very important in our right concentration. We are talking about right concentration. Right concentration, you remember, must have 
mindfulness and clear comprehension. This is how right concentration differs from wrong concentration. You know the history of attaining jhana. I think in his talk he mentioned when he went to his earlier teachers, the last one is uh, uh, Uddhagaramputta, and all of them had attained jhanas. All of them had attained, gained concentration. But none of them had attained, had attained full enlightenment. None of them were able to destroy fetters. They all managed to subs- suppress their hindrances, but none of them were able to destroy hindrances or fetters. Temporarily suspending. It is just like uh, you clean a house. After some times, dust appears on the floor. Then you sweep it again. Again dust appears. Then you wash it using buckets of water. After some time, dust again appears there. Then you wash it, then mop it and put detergent and think dust will not appear again. But it will appear again. Then what you should do? Remove the floor and put concrete. (laughs) Then dust will not appear. And keep the doors and windows closed. Remove the carpets. Dust will not appear. Similarly, no matter how long you practice, you practice jhana without mindfulness and clear comprehension, all the suppressed hindrances, all fetters, underlying tendencies, all will flood the mind. They invade the mind. To prevent them invading, prevent them from invading the mind, you have to practice some vipassana meditation. That is what the Buddha did. Clear comprehension and mindfulness, sati sampajanya. So now, when we attain the third jhana, as we are practicing right concentration, <coughs> there are three factors in right concentration. Three factors, besides the, the noble aid. You see, I, I, point, I selected this book, you see when you have spare time after this talk and so forth. This is the description of right, uh, the, what you call noble eightfold path. In the noble eightfold path, number six, seven, eight uh, are particularly described as samma samadhi right concentration. For the right concentration, beside uh, right, uh, right understanding, right uh, thought, right speech, right action, right livelihood, these five plus right effort, right mindfulness and right concentration are necessary must factors. So, When we come to the third jhana, right mindfulness and equanimity emerges. <coughs> uh, actually, uh, equanimity and mindfulness. The equanimity was not mentioned in the first jhana and second jhana. Only in this jhana, you see equanimity. Why? Because your joy is when joy is there, there your mind will 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 be little tilted towards the pleasure. Mind will be side the pleasure. When that what do you call 
beauty, uh, rapture, fades away, mind is strong enough to remain in the balance, in an equanimous state. That is why equanimous equanimity emerges in the third jhana. Mindfulness we have been practicing all alone with clear comprehension and even that emerges in the third jhana. Now, two new factors, mindfulness and equanimity. When mindfulness and equanimity arises, that is the state noble ones say about the, about the person who has attained that state, noble ones say, happily lives one who is equanimous and mindful. Your happiness is steadier, stronger in the third jhana. <coughs> the simile given is the lake. That simile also is a very powerful simile. A lake with a, it is water, the lake is full to the brim. Water is very clear clean, periodically very light rain falls, rain water falls into the lake and then underneath there is a spring. When uh, a spring brings fresh water from underneath, rain water wash away whatever dirt on the surface of the lake. Now, imagine that simile, the lake with fresh water, always water is fresh. Why? The spring underneath, at the bottom of the lake brings fresh water. Similarly, your happiness in the third jhana is refreshing, always refreshing. You feel the pulsation of joy, happiness, refreshing your entire body and mind. You will never get tired of it, at least for some times. You, st you can stay in that state. However, even that state is not permanent. There is a factor called happiness, uh, which is refreshing, but compared to equanimity, happiness is gross. So, you lose interest in it, and you regain it, reattain it, again lose and reattain, then you, the mind will, will uh, uh, see a sort of a glimpse of something even better, that is the fourth jhana. So when mind sees this glimpse of the fourth jhana, it loses interest in the third jhana and attain let the mind glides into it, into the fourth jhana. That is the highest material mundane jhanic attainment. I use the word mundane because all these are mundane jhanic experiences. These jhanic experiences can become supramundane some other time. I will explain it later on. At least I can mention it. Now in the mundane concentration attainments, the fourth jhana is the highest. Now let us see the fourth jhana. <coughs> with the abandoning of pleasure and pain, and with the previous disappearance of joy and grief, 
one enters and dwells in the fourth jhana, which has neither pain nor pleasure, purity of mindfulness and equanimity. Now, with the abandoning of pleasure and pain, pleasure <coughs> you uh, have uh, in the up to the third jhana you have a pleasure. Up to the beginning of the first jhana you have pain. <coughs> so you have pain, you get rid of your pain, pain disappears when you attain the uh, first jhana. Then with the previous disappearance of joy and grief, dhomanasa, joy is uh, pity, you lose it when you gain the first, third, fourth jhana and uh, grief you overcome even when you attain the first jhana. Grief, grief arises because of the greed. Grief, greed breeds grief. Greed breeds grief. Greed is a hindrance. When you overcome that hindrance, your grief also is overcome. And then enters and dwells in the fourth jhana, which has neither pain nor pleasure, but purity of mindfulness and equanimity. Now, <coughs> there is, this is a very special state. You don't have pain nor pleasure. No pain, no pleasure. But the mind is in an equanimous state, balanced state, and mindfulness. Both are purified. Uh, because of the, these four attainments, one after the other, you develop your mindfulness, from the very beginning of the preliminary stage, you start practicing mindfulness and this is the culmination of it, of your mindfulness practice. Since you don't have pain or pleasure, this also is the culmination of your equanimity. Now, <coughs> this attainment is compared to a person, this simile also is a very beautiful simile. Buddha is a master of creating similes, examples, parables. To illustrate the situation, his points very crystal clear. In, to illustrate this state, he used the simile of a person sitting under a tree covering his entire body with white clean piece of cloth. White clean cloth. This white clean cloth represents the purity of mind. Sitting under the tree, under a tree, is openness, no boundaries. And piece of cloth that is he is using to cover himself is very light, very light. So, uh, in in the previous similes bath powder, stalk of lotus and a lake with fresh air, fresh water and so forth, you feel them, you feel. But when it comes to the clean, white, pure piece of cloth, it is just around you. You don't feel. Protected from the sun's Race touching your body. 
That is the state of mind you experience in the fourth jhana. Beside that, fourth jhana <coughs> has eight other qualities. What are those qualities? They are pure or parisuddha. Parisuddha means pure. Pariyodata, clean, white. Anangana, no idiosyncrasies. Mudubhuta, soft, kamanya, pliable, uh, tita, steady, and ananya uh, patta, imperturbable. So, parisuddha, pariyodata, anangana, vigatu pakkilesa. All the underlying tendencies, upakkilesa means those tendencies, impurities, which camouflage, uh, disguise. Those disguising mental factors also are not there. They are called upakkilesa. Upakkilesa arises in jhana, upakkilesa arises in vipassana. These upakkilesas are sort of, uh, uh, the, they camouflage, they hide, they disguise to deceive you. They are not there in the fourth jhana. Then, Parishuddha, Pariyodhata, Anangana, Vigatu Pakilesa, for Mudubhuta, soft, Kamanya, pliable, Tita, steady, Ananya Patta, imperturbable. All these qualities are in the four jhana. That means the fourth jhana is the highest state of right concentration with all these qualities. Now, <coughs> I want to run through very quickly the feelings in these jhanas. In these jhanas we have feelings. Uh, Feelings are uh, pleasure, that's called sukha, pain, dukkha, when you attain the first jhana, you are overcoming it, joy, somanasa, grief, dominance, and equanimity, upekha. Uh, out of these feelings, uh, we want to spend some time on Somanasa and Upekka. Somanasa and Upekka and also Domanasa. Domanasa means displeasure. Displeasure. Even when you attain the fourth jhana, these three types of feelings are there. We say somanasa, domanasa, we overcome. And yet, the, the happiness we experience in the fourth jhana is not Sukha, Dukkha, uh, and uh, uh, Adukkha Masuga. They are called Somanasa, Domanasa, and Upekha. Now, when Somanasa, Somanasa means pleasure. 
Somanas, Domanas, Upeka, these pleasure, these three types of feelings have Geha Sita Somanas, Nekkamma Sita Somanas. Geha Sita Domanas, Nekkamma Sita Domanas. Geha Sita Upeka, Nekkamma Sita Upeka. I like, although I mentioned in Pali, let me explain each of them. Geha Sita Somanas. When you attend the mundane jhanas, you have uh, what you call joy, called happiness, called household happiness. Actually, household happiness is uh, uh, somewhat uh, confusing. Happiness with greed, we must say. Happiness with greed. And then, that is called mundane, worldly happiness. Then, there is another happiness called happiness is called Nekkamma Sita Somanasa. Nekkamma Sita means happiness uh, not connected with household life. That means happiness without desire. Happiness without desire. That is the happiness you can have in the fourth jhana. It is so manasa, you are so relieved that you don't have greed. At least during that time. Then, you have household disappointment and uh, the disappointment with uh, renunciation, we can say. Nekkamasita, renunciation. What is that? You know, disappointment with the household life is when you don't get what you want and get what you don't want and so forth, you have disappointment. That is called household disappointment or disappointment with greed. Nekkamasita disappointment is when you see that you are practicing everything according to the book, following all instructions, and you have gained all this jhanic state, and yet you have not attained enlightenment. That is disappointment. That disappointment is called Nekkamasita Domanasa. Nekkamasita, that means disappointment with renunciation. You renounce so many things. Renounce pleasure, pain, first jhana, second jhana, and so forth and so on. But still you have not attained enlightenment. That is really disappointment. Then the third type is called Nekkamasita Upekka and what do you call Gehasita Upekka, Nekkamasita Upekka. Gehasita Upekka means equanimity in household life. That means with desire, you have uh, with uh, defilements in the mind, you have equanimity. For instance, you just like uh, sour a grape is sour. You know the, the the famous saying: you try and try and try and try and finally you say, "Hack! I don't need that." You say, "Hack with it! I don't need that." That is giving up. Giving up, and you call it you are indifferent. We may say equanimous. But there is another equanimity called Nekkamasita Upekka. Nekkamasita is 
equanimity related to renunciation. Why is that? I think I mentioned it in other contexts several times. You see, <coughs> in the jhanic attainment from the beginning to the end, everything is arising and passing away. Everything is arising and passing away. Everything is rising and falling. Everything appears and disappears. This pattern, this pattern registers in your mind. When this pattern is registered in the mind, then everything is equal. Nothing there to be excited. Everything is equal. There arises equanimous state of mind, very healthy, powerful mental state. You may not enjoy it very much now, because you have not reached that state. But that is the state where the mind will have a real balance. Then Buddha said, you know, from the beginning I was telling, by training we overcome certain perceptions and by training we develop another kind of perceptions. Now, by when you attain the, these three types of uh, feelings, with all wholesome pleasure, pain and equanimity, using them you overcome household pain, household pleasure, pain and equanimity. Using the pain and pleasure uh, pleasure and pain and equanimity of renunciation, we overcome the pleasure and pain and equanimity of household, household pleasure, household pain and household equanimity. Household means with desire, uh, resentment and so forth. We, are, we have the pleasure, pain and equanimity with desire, with anger, with other defilements. Then we using whole, the pleasure, pain and equanimity related to renunciation, we overcome that unwholesome pleasure, pain and equanimity. Then what, what you have in the mind? is just uh, pleasure, pain and equanimity related to renunciation. Then using uh, pleasure of renunciation, you overcome the pain of renunciation. Now what do you have? What is left? Only pleasure and equanimity. Then you overcome pleasure of renunciation by using equanimity of renunciation. Now you have only equanimity. Then even equanimity we can you, you overcome, equanimity is the highest attainment of jhana, you overcome by attaining the mundane jhana, equanimity, by attaining the infinity of space, infinity of perception, and nothingness, and neither perception nor non-perception states. All these are equanimous states. Attaining those states lower equanimity related to renunciation, you overcome. Then finally what you have is the equanimity of neither perception nor non-perception. Then even that equanimity 
should be overcome by insight, insight, wisdom, seeing that equanimity is not mine. It is called atammayata. Atammayata. Tammayata means that is mine. Atammayata means that even that is not mine. No one possess it. It is just equanimity. That is how Buddha taught how one perception, no matter how subtle and true appears to be, overcome by training the mind with another perception. One perception overcomes by training, another perception arises by training. You can see this very clearly if you want to see the preference in Pottabhada uh, Sutta in Diganikaya. Diganikaya. If you write down Pottabhada Sutta. I think with this I want to conclude my today's talk. It is, I am sure, not so pleasurable, not so enjoyable, but it is very profound, deep teaching. Whenever we talk about profound, profound, deep, very subtle points of Dhamma, one thing you always expect that people fall asleep. <laughs> that is to be expected. <laughs> I won't be surprised. And anyway, that is the end of today's talk. <laughs> and see at five o'clock.